Welcome back to another episode of the Align Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. This is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. Today's conversation is with a very close friend. His name is Jason Niemer. He is the co-founder of Acro Yoga, which I'm sure most all of you, I would imagine, have heard of. Perhaps it has graced your existence. Acro Yoga has been something that has been a pretty large part of my life for the last decade or so, a little longer than that. And um, Jason Niemer was like a mythological creature that I had heard of when I was like 20, I don't know, 22, 23 years old or something. And that was the beginning of them creating this magical activity referred to as acro yoga. Jason is one of the most interesting human beings on the planet. He is a, an Olympic level gymnast, has a background with a whole plethora of different modalities of manual therapy and movement, particularly in the gymnastic world. And um, he's just a fantastic, interesting, complex human being. This conversation goes into a lot of philosophy and do a lot about the, the Tao Te Ching and a lot of philosophical principles interwoven from uh, a movement perspective with uh, the way that we live our lives. So I think you guys are going to dig this conversation. I want to thank you guys for leaving reviews on wherever you listen to this, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I'm going to read one from EG Wellness. And what they say is, health resources for days. As a manual therapist and personal trainer, I use this podcast as the main resource when dealing with my clients and in my personal quest to become more aligned. No matter what type of diet, fitness, or mindfulness practice, you can find it all on this podcast. Aaron is the freaking man. Thank you very much, EG Wellness. Thank you to any of you. It just takes 27 seconds approximately to scroll down on your phone, press subscribe while you're at it, and leave us a little review. It warms my heart to get to read what y'all think of this podcast. Hopefully you feel it deserves a five-star review, but whatever you think. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate you very much. I hope you have a tremendous day. Let's get to it with my guy, Jason Niemer. What kind of random, elemental, sensual, sensual in the sense of like your senses, tips have you stumbled upon for greater strength, balance, and ease in the body? Wow. Jason Niemer. What a question. We're coming in hot. You're coming in hot. I would say for me, it's it's regularity. It's just having a lot of practices that I've done for decades that I keep finding the nuance in. So it's not any one miracle cure or any one new technique that I've learned. It's things like I've been hanging on a bar since I was 12 years old mm. and doing all kinds of gymnastics. And now I hang on a bar with the clear goal of lengthening my spine and creating joy in my body. So I would say being able to be a good listener to practices that are quote unquote simple and finding the the deep depths of nuance in the in the simple. What the hell does that mean? Joy in the joy in the body. Yeah, for me, one of the elements of joy in the body. So in Chinese medicine, there's five elements. In Ayurveda, there's five elements. And one of the five in Ayurveda is actually space. So just the sheer act of creating space in our gunked up muscular bodies when there's compaction that happens from gravity and from our activities when there's space to me it feels like there's joy there's presence there's blood there's juice and when you have the absence of those things you have pain you have stagnation you have sadness in your body <laughs> it's kind of interesting the idea of joy in the body being in relationship to space kind of reminds me of 
like the difference between camping and being homeless is that they chose to be there. Mm. So there's like a, a, there's a certain spaciousness to camping. It's like right. I'm choosing to camp. Yeah. Versus when your only option is to sleep in this tent. True. Suddenly that the joy of that camping experience gets pulled away. And inherently space is not a good thing in your body. There's some places you don't want a lot of space. Mm. So it's being very clear by listening to your body where you need that. Yeah. But it's like having that that the openness or the, the, the option or the availability to navigate, you know, all all the accessible ranges of motion. It's it's interesting. I'm just trying to piece together like like how the, the association of, of joy as like an as like a anatomical description or like freedom a, freedom and joy go together yeah. freedom joy and space are a nice triad so when you feel the absence of freedom or joy in your body it's constriction and lack of mobility so i'm very happy that at 47 years old i feel very free and joyful in my body most days and when i you know yesterday i actually went uh canoeing for two hours and i was sitting in a very unergonomic position on metal for two hours and paddling hard and fast and a bunch of my little muscles were like hey what was that about i'm gonna i'm gonna remind you that uh if you're gonna use me you gotta pay me so i had to pay them this morning by a hot bath and by rolling rolling them out so yeah it's not something that is a static state just like when you rang that bell i was reminded of this uh, workshop that a tantric uh teacher taught me about enlightenment enlightenment is not a place that you go to and you stay forever you get these little moments of it one of his exercises was ringing a bell and you listen to it as long as you can until you can't hear it anymore and that moment where you can just barely hear it and you hear it like that's a little flashlight to get you towards enlightenment mm. i learned recently about the value of, of the yeehaw <laughs> it's because we're texans now is it a comedy show <laughs> so funny this guy told this elaborate story it's all about so this is a this is a this is a hack yeah this is important oh, the yeehaw know. hack it's changed my whole fucking life all right since i learned lay it on me so with the yeehaw, typically when people do a yeehaw, yeehaw, that's that's a garbage yeehaw. Yeah, that's a California implanted. Yeah, that's yeehaw. nonsense. Uh -huh. Yeah, a true yeehaw, you got to get to the end of the exhalation, and then just these last little gasps of air is the haw part. So it's yeehaw. <laughs> wow, you get deep. All right. It's something I learned. All right. And I think that that's just something I'm excited about. Texan enlightenment. <laughs> Texan enlightenment here for you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, sound's a powerful tool, man. For real. Yeah. The, 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 so, I mean, we could go down some, some line of, of breathing and, and, you know, like audible exhalations, the value of that. But something that was interesting with the book, your latest book, Move Connect, your, your first and latest book, Move Connect Play. The art and science of acro yoga. You're the founder of Goddamn Acro, co-founder of Goddamn Acro Yoga. <laughs> it is a true story. That's I'm cool. still, I'm still shocked how many people know what the practice is, and that is now subsiding. And I'm just taking in the reality that what I set out to do 20 years ago, it's taken root, and it is a global practice. And I'm so honored and excited to be at this point in my career. And yeah, for whoever the people are that know what acro yoga is now, there's a lot of people that have no idea what it is that are about to. Yeah. So something that I like about you and I like about the book is in the beginning you get into the you know the art and science per per suggestion in the cover and one of the aspects that you get into is the chinese medicine 
perspective mm -hmm. on the body. Yeah. And one of the things that I like vigorously underlined to talk about in here was was the idea of of nadis mm -hmm. and these different energetic channels or yeah. values and those two meridians and meridians yeah and these different pathways it's, it's a it's a totally different overlay of what you know having a, a physical experience is yeah. or western anatomical speak is much more mechanical mm -hmm. more, more you know like like an like uh yeah it's like it's like a mechanical system pulleys and levers and systems of the sort what's the difference between those two systems from your perspective well the first time i was ever in china i was 16 it was the junior world championships for sports acrobatics and me and my brother decided to go for a long bike ride and realized about 15 minutes in that we had no idea where we were so then we do the normal thing we look up at a street sign and it's in chinese <laughs> And I realized then the importance of knowing the language that you are reading when you're navigating. And this is exactly what I feel these different roadmaps are for the body. The body is the body, and there are Chinese names, and there are Indian names, and there are English names. One, The one that gave me the biggest clue of the differences was in Thai massage, there's something called a blood stop. And I know you know about this. We've done it a lot in our practice. A blood stop is a technique of where you use your hands, your feet, your legs, we do this when we sleep and we constrict uh, an, an artery in our arm and wake up and it's tingling, but a blood stop is something that stops the blood from flowing. And then when you release it, blood and vitality rushes back into the system. So I was getting a massage in Thailand and I asked a friend of mine that was bilingual, how do you say blood stop in Thai? And they said, open the wind gate. And I paused and my hair stood up as they are right now because the wind is traveling through my body. What that means is the Thai massage map was brought to Thailand from Ayurveda. And in Ayurveda, they talk about wind channels or vayus. So you have a panavayu, which is the wind coming from the ground up through your feet into your body. You have pranavayu that is a grounding force that goes down. So opening the wind gates, you are sitting on an artery, you are constricting blood, but you're also bringing wind, you're bringing energy. So the way that a lot of the Eastern modalities look at the body, it's not just blood and bones, it's energy, it's subtle, it's spirit, it's other things that we don't talk about as much in the Western roadmap. How do you define wind? What's the translation? In a Vayu. No, but how, oh. do you, how do you find that in Western translation? Well, like how does one nervous system? That? Nervous system is how I was. They're all talking about the energy body and the way that a Western trained physician talks about the energy body is nervous system. Mm. Uh, I don't know that they have a container for wind, but it's it's currents of energy. So like the hairs on my body just stood up. If you hear a song that you like, that will happen. If somebody blows on your ear, that might happen. And this is one of the values, Vidyana Vayu, is where all of the energy goes from the core of you out. So we've all felt these things. And I don't know what Western medicine would say that response is related to or for, but we are energetic beings. We are uh, very much vibrating at subtle levels as much as we are obvious levels. Yeah, I did a, a, a conversation recently with um, a fella who he's like one of the the leading researchers with in in pain pain research. His name's Adrian Adrian Lowe, Doctor Adrian Lowe. One of the things that he was we were talking about in that is that through the process of experiencing our senses, 
it informs our our sensory motor map of who we are. So by having, you know, right now we have different stuff here. We have this nail board here. We have different textures of the rug. There's different temperatures in the room. You know, we have different maybe like workouts that we're doing that are all forming these contours and shapes and sensory awareness of mm. who we are and mm -hmm. where we are. And when we place ourselves into maybe like a vacuum and we lose the sensual experience, we start to develop what's what they refer to in neuroscience speak as, as smudges in mm. that cortical map. And so it's this place where it's like you you need to kind of like continue continually be knocking the dust away and kind of like like mm. moving around like I'm thinking of like a statue if it's like mm -hmm. sits out too long gets dusty maybe eventually you don't see or maybe a painting yeah you know if it just sits there too long eventually you don't even see the painting anymore and through the human experience it's it like exposes yourself in a way but you need exposure which is kind of an interesting concept. Yeah, and I think when you're saying that, what I am hearing is the energy body definitely informs the sense of the physical body. And there's an imprint based on the interactions that we've had and the stimulus that we've been bringing into our body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think it's the reason that, that, that I bring that up that I think is why it's interesting, a little abstract, but interesting, is the power of awe something that I've also gathered from other other resources, just this idea. But it's almost like a, a nutrient for the body in the way. Mm -hmm. and the reason I mentioned that is because you said your, your hairs are standing up, you mm -hmm. know, and so it's that's like that's like an, an old artifact of a of a biological function called piloerection is like a fancy unnecessary piloerection. Yeah, pilo You're talking dirty yeah, to me this early in the podcast. Jargon, but I like I like to use words like that. <laughs> um, but it's an interesting thing that you can just through the experience of seeing something that are like, wow, she's beautiful, or yeah. like wow, like that that musician. Like I was like weeping. It was like invoking this emotion to cause this pilo erection <laughs> throughout do you, my do you know it in spanish probably the same pilo erection or something no like that. piel de gallina oh, the skin of the chicken oh the skin of the chicken <laughs> chicken skin right. i bet you the anatomical like jargon speak for it would probably be the be, probably, probably the be same. Like pilo and it was erection. it was taught to them by somebody who spoke in english yeah, first yeah exactly <laughs> but that's such an interesting idea to stew on i i think like the the value of this is kind of perhaps oh, this is still in the in the realm of move connect play the book because a big part of it is interaction and play and mm -hmm. you know exploration of new maybe like uncomfortable terrain of like you know am I going to be judged am I going to be good at this mm -hmm. you know, someone it's you're you're inherently with someone else in acro yoga but it's what I'm getting at in a very long winded way is there's a lot of ways to kind of open up that sensory motor cortical whatever that like map of who you are and when we pull ourselves out of the human experience and we kind of lock ourselves up into some cubicle someplace nothing wrong with that you know but just did you just kind of you're in a blank room got a blank screen numbers ones zeros not a lot of texture yeah. a lot of contours of temperatures not a lot of things that make you go wow your hairs don't stand up your so hairs often. don't stand up too often yeah some dust on that uh that painting that biological neurokinetic whatever that organism starts to get kind of atrophied and smudgy yeah, yeah. and through the process of just being like impressed mm. it starts to it like opens the whole body up like down yeah. to your feet yeah it's very fascinating 
Yeah, I like that you chose impressed because I've thought a lot about the word depressed. And depressed is like if you have your thumb on your skin long enough and you're pushing down, there's a depression. So it's like the weight that you feel on the 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 emotional context of having something heavy on you. And when you're impressed, it's kind of like the antithesis of depression. Yeah. I'd never thought of that until you just said it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so again, long roundabout way of uh, just getting it. The, the body can open up and feel more expressed. Um, I think feel more pain free, feel more less like less stressed. Ultimately mm -hmm. pain is a talking to this Dr. Adrian Lowe fella. It's like a very mysterious thing, but also typically a product of stress to some capacity mm -hmm. and your reaction and, and perception of what's going on alters that sensation of pain dramatically. Yep. And through our sensory experience, it really, you know, it, it changes the the shape of the human, you know, and, and I, I think it's just very, I, I appreciate being around you. Mm, be same. Because being around you, you implement, you invoke this um, sensation of play into any room that you, that you walk into, yeah. which inherently it, you know, it, it creates this enlivenment with people. And that's, that's, I think that's one of the greatest gifts that we can share with each other. And it's not just something that like you feel between your ears. It's something that you, it's, it literally creates musculoskeletal, neurological, hormonal, like all the changes just through invoking that element of play. Yeah, it can be that simple as I would reflect back to you. One of the things that I love about you is how sharp your intellect is and how well-trained your body is. And you don't lack in play, but what I feel that you bring is so much intelligence and so much uh, hard work of you being in your lab. So, you know, I know this is a podcast about me and the book, but I also want to reflect to you the things that I see that are super unique and beautiful. And we all have something that's really uh, brings value to the table. And some of the people that have maybe been collecting dust are less aware of that. And, you know, for any number of reasons, we've chosen a practice of movement to keep really steady with uh refreshing who we are and getting downloads from nature and from the Tao Te Ching and from each other to uh keep coming to the table with fresh perspectives and ideas yeah how do you define acro yoga let's see the actual words acrobatics acro like the acropolis polis is city so the acropolis anyone who's been to uh, athens it's the city on the edge it's literally a city built on the edge of a cliff so uh, acro means on the edge yoga means connection or union so acro yoga is the union formed when you take things to the edge so that's kind of a heady description of what those two words mean it's a movement. It's a global movement. It's uh, a practice that uh, helps build community. And it has three roots, acrobatics, yoga, and therapeutics. So if that was a medium long elevator pitch, that would be what it is to me. What's the, the origin story of this thing? So once upon a time, I moved to San Francisco to be a yoga teacher, and this is back in 2002, 2003, and um, I'd been hearing about this girl, Jenny, who was an acrobat and a yoga teacher, and oh, you got to meet Jenny, and it was months, I think about six months before we finally met, 
And we were both training at the circus center. She did contortion during the day. I taught trampoline at night and we just kept missing each other. And when we finally met each other, she put me in the first therapeutic acro yoga pose I'd ever done, folded leaf, which you know. And I put her in a handstand on my hands. She had never done that. So we kind of blew each other's minds with the two skills that we, that was our handshake to each other. And then we were up late that night till not quite the sunrise, but late, just talking about how this practice could come together and how we could use things like partner yoga to help people communicate before they did the more dynamic acrobatics. And we could use the things that she knew of teaching children circus arts to teach beginner adults how to play like children. So we really had most of the practice mapped out that first night. And then we started teaching. I was already teaching a partner doubles class at the circus center. So she became my co-teacher and hit the ground running. So the, there's a, I think you already know this. I'm pretty sure I already told you this before, but I knew about you like it was probably, so I discovered acro yoga probably, it must've been maybe 13 years ago ish when did it form what was like the first year that it's actually when did you when was there a guidebook let's see so it's 19 years old or a little older getting okay so, 20. so that's but the book took us about three years to write so. yeah so i so i learned about acro yoga probably i guess like pretty a much year or in like two the after beginning the book came out. ish like yeah. soon after that the book where were came you out. i was in nevada city california okay yeah yeah and and there was um i'm spacing the name of the the Calc is his 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 last name because his his um, uncle is is Ron Calc John Calc famous Yosemite rock climber something Calc anyways huh. um, and so yeah he introduced me to the whole thing I got really into it and I heard of this like mythological creature called Jason Niebuhr and it's just, it's just such an interesting thing to be now and here like consider you're like one of my one of my yeah we're homies friends. yeah it's, yeah it's, it's very it's a very fascinating thing but. I wonder from your perception, what are some of the foundational things that a, any person can learn about their body through the process of people stacking? There's certain ways to orient the wrist. There's certain mm -hmm. ways to orient the elbows, to orient the shoulder girdle. Yes. Et cetera. I, I'm, I'm thinking right now, I'm thinking literally the person that's like, you know, you're doing a hand-to-hand -hand or something like that yeah. and you're laying on your back. Yeah. But there's a lot to learn from that process because you're essentially just, you're just continuing this, the joint segments. Yeah. So when you're standing up, you have your feet to the top of your head. Those are the segments that you have to navigate. Yeah. When you put somebody on your shoulders, you're just a longer body. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, the good news is physics doesn't change at the speeds that we move. You know, yeah. if you're moving closer to the speed of light, then things get really interesting. But at uh, Newtonian physics, which is where all acro yoga currently is being done, we've been interacting in our bodies with gravity our whole lives so it's not like people don't have a lot of experiential wisdom and basically if you get taught proper progressions if you get taught a skill that is relatively basic you can learn all of the things that you need to to know how to stack so basically plank on plank is probably the most quintessential thing that i teach beginners and you know, I think with the way that you're asking the question, you're asking for specific anatomical things. But to me, it's more changing people's minds that think, oh my God, I can't do that. Or, oh my God, I'm so heavy. I must be crushing that person. And until people go through a few rounds of doing partner acrobatics, doing acro yoga with each other, and they realize, number one, my bones are super strong and I'm not super heavy and I'm not hurting them. And this is fun. As soon as those emotional journeys lead people to this place of 
openness of, okay, now I'm ready to learn more because now all the limiting beliefs that I had at the door, they're gone. And now I'm a little kid and I'm excited. And when I see something, I don't think I can't do it. I think I can do it and I'm going to get a spotter and I'm excited to try it. Yeah. So a lot of it is just re-patterning our adult brain back into a childlike brain that is, you know, sees the mystery, doesn't see the obstacles. Yeah. It's like becoming more spacious joyful free all those things Boom. so with people stacking something there's a difference between say a person doing something like if you're doing like some impressive one-armed handstand thing yeah. where you're holding one-armed handstand maybe you could do just with yourself yeah or maybe you're doing a hand-to-hand one-armed handstand yeah there's a lot of ways to do that wrong <laughs> and the there's pretty much i think like maybe one to three ways to do it right uh i i don't know that i agree with i might that. be making that part up yeah. maybe like one to like a hundred ways to do it right yes that's a closer. lot of ways to do it wrong correct, yeah. correct. <laughs> yes that point i take completely yeah. it's a finer blade yes that, especially that's, a one-arm hand that's what i'm trying to say yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the higher the you know the the, the speed or velocity uh-huh. or whatever goes the 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 reduction in the variance becomes true true you know and so when you're doing something like there's a a, a quote from a guy called franz balsh Franz Bosch. He's like an old, I believe he's like an exercise physiologist. But he, something he said is there's more variety in waltz than there is in sprinting. And so when you're just doing the waltz, you can put your body in whatever fucking yeah. position you want. Yeah. And it's like, that's fine. Yeah. Gravi- <laughs> like, gravity no gravity will reward you and punish you the same in a waltz. Yeah. Suddenly you're doing some high level, a lot of weight on the bar. You're going, you know, high velocity, going yeah. real fast. Or you're doing some movement that if you're not perfectly oriented where you're stacking bone to bone to bone, mm-hmm. like through that skeletal structure, you know, it's just probably not going to happen. Yeah. And where I would agree and then and then potentially disagree uh, or just give a nuanced uh, direction is the grip details are different from sports acrobats to circus acrobats. And there's a lot of people that do very high level similar skills, but just the way that you, because we have so many different bones in the hands and different lineages have different techniques. And I think over time, you know, thousands of years, if there's another thousands of years of people doing acrobatics and acroyoga, I've seen it in gymnastics. So like back in the eighties, in the nineties, the way that people would swing around a high bar, there was a standard technique that everyone used. And then all of a sudden the Chinese came out and they did it very different. And they were doing crazy dismounts that nobody else could do. And then the whole world caught up with them. It's like the Fosbury flop. Exactly. The Fosbury flop. Fosbury. I think it's Fosbury. Fosbury. Yeah. The big back bend. Yeah. 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 Um, But you can't do that. (laughs) Wait, you're beating everybody. (laughs) Is that legal? Totally. (laughs) It's legal and it's better. (laughs) I don't know. When I watch like black and white of the high jump, I like how they do it. Like they that's a whole different game. Yeah. Like Fosbury flop works well when you have a mat. What happens when you don't have a mat there? <laughs> but uh there was a gymnast, uh Horkina was her last name. She was a Russian gymnast and she was super long and tall. And she did different skills from anyone else in gymnastics, not because she was better. She had to adapt to her body. And this is one of the things that I love about acroyoga. I've held you in a handstand on my hands. You're mm-hmm. much bigger than I am. Mm-hmm. And every different combination of humans that come together, there is a right fit for those two people. So as much as I love that this is the right technique in acroyoga, the right technique is what works between the people that are doing the practice. And there's lots of variants of how people speak to each other, of how much muscular squeezing there is. Some people like a really strong grip, some people like soft grips. And I agree, 
a high one-arm hand-to-hand, one of the hardest skills in acrobatics, I'm going to guess that everybody that does that is squeezing their hands a lot. But for a lot of the other skills, there's a, there's a big variance in something that my yoga teacher taught me is he was about to show me this really cool forearm stand. And before he did it, he put his hands together and he prayed because he's a devotional person and he does inversions to connect to God. So until you have decided what your goal is of the thing that you're doing, you can't measure if you're doing it good or bad. So that's another thing that I think a lot of people that are really into technique are missing is why are you doing the skill? Why are you doing the waltz? Why are you sprinting? And until you answer that question, you can't define if the techniques that you're training are getting you closer to that goal. I wanted to share something that has been an absolute game changer for my sleep and muscular recovery. That is magnesium, particularly mag breakthrough from bio-optimizers. Magnesium is a mineral that it's just wise to supplement. It's largely deficient in modern day soil. It's largely deficient in most people for that reason. And mag breakthrough is a fantastic complex of it's all different, all seven different forms. And it's fantastic. I even chew the, I open the capsules and taste it. I think it tastes great might be a little weird, but uh, I genuinely appreciate the flavor of the product and think it's important to implement into anyone's life if you care about your sleep, if you care about muscular recovery. And the best part is you can get yourself a discount by going over to magbreakthrough.com slash align podcasts. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com slash align podcast. And you'll get yourself a 10% discount on top of any other discounts they may have. So jump over to magbreakthrough.com slash align podcast for a discount. If you do not love this product, if it doesn't make a difference in your life, get your money back. No questions asked. I think you're going to dig it. That's it. Magbreakthrough.com slash align podcast. I wanted to share something that I have been loving for the last, it's been a very long time since I moved to Hawaii. When I was 18 years old, I discovered this stuff called kava. They have kava bars all over there. They're very popular in the South Pacific islands. And it is amazing stuff. It's incredible for down regulation of your nervous system, calming yourself down, reduction of anxiety, insomnia relief. I'm just going to read a list of some of the things it's really good for. Deeper and more restorative sleep, boosting mood and sociability, enhancing mental focus and creativity, it has anti-inflammatory effects, ton of stuff. When you are drinking kava, it's an incredible way to connect with those around you. It's a great replacement for alcohol, I would say a million percent. And I really love the stuff. I particularly value the kava from True Kava. And we also have a 15% discount for listeners out there. So all you got to do to get the 15% discount and try kava for yourself is go to gettruekava.com slash discount slash align 15. So that's spelled get true kava, G-E-T-T-R-U-K-A-V-A.com slash discount slash align 15. I think this stuff is just fantastic. It doesn't have any kind of hangover effects. And it is one of my favorite tools for hanging out with friends, for people I care about, sharing some kava, and uh, just going deeper in conversations, feeling fun, feeling amicable, feeling euphoric. And I think you guys are going to dig it. So jump over to gettruekava.com slash discount slash Align15. You could also just use the Align15 code at checkout for 15% off. It's something that I've borrowed and regurgitated for you in other workshop settings of my own and just with like friends in general is a concept 
that I don't know if you coined it, but uh, of perfect fit, finding perfect fit. And that's with like contacting a body, which if you, you know, in any kind of like massage practice, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some kind of education around that. Can you describe that first of all? And then also how would that concept of perfect fit perhaps relate to a person again that doesn't do any kind of acrobatic stuff doesn't do any kind of partner acro yoga related things how could perfect fit also relate to just you existing taking a walk or yeah. sitting on a chair or anything so those of you that are watching how he's holding this topo chico bottle his oh, fingers yeah. are laced his thumb is there yeah. we are constantly doing perfect, no fit. perfect it's, fit. it's natural in our <laughs> dna to do it because we feel comfortable when we're, we're there so you know if you're not watching and you're just listening if you bring your hands together and you push them together like a little prayer mudra that might feel like a perfect fit but then if you bring one hand a centimeter or two above the other and you kind of squish them together mm. that's a more perfect fit yeah so perfect fit is a theory and your tactile body can teach you like if you close your eyes you could bring your hands together you could bring oh that's better or i can look at my palm and i can look at my other palm and i see this mountain i see that valley i'm like okay that's a perfect fit so perfect fit is the lifelong practice of being so self-aware of your own body and then having curiosity about another person's body and it's how can i match what you are, what I am. And yeah, for me, it does, it's eyes, it's mind, and then it's body. Mm. So what I've done in Thai massage also has been informed by acrobatics because if you're doing a high level acrobatic skill, oftentimes the foot placement or the grip is the make it or break it thing. So these are the small details. And then as that ripples out, you know, perfect fit can be when I'm hanging out with a friend and I'm watching a Netflix with them and I'm not really liking the movie and do I do I endure it or do I say, hey, you know what, I'm not really into this, what, what, let's go for a walk. So being able to be confident in changing the environment that you're in if it doesn't feel optimal. So everything to me can start in this Petri dish of the Acro Yoga practice and the better you get at understanding what you need to be comfortable and checking in with your friends. Hey, are you comfortable? Are you liking this? Can we, can we make this any better? You know, I'm constantly doing these practices outside of the Acro Yoga Petri dish. Yeah, I think I'm gonna keep on, you're gonna keep going in the direction of like, you know, meta and it's like more than just anatomical and I love all that. And then I'm going to go back to the anatomical stuff. Yeah. But continuing going down that that line, which is like one of my favorite lines to go down, is how our, you know, everything is fitness. Like mm -hmm. everything is informing your structure and your physiology yep. and like all parts of, of your you-ness. Mm -hmm. And so when you're in relationship to someone, I think the idea of like, you know, dancing with someone, mm -hmm. you know, like you don't need to be in contact, like physically touching a person's hands. Right you know, or be like waltzing or what we call waltz to be waltzing. Right. Like as soon as someone walks into a room, literally we're starting to attune our facial expressions and maybe even our heart rate. And, mm -hmm. and like our whole body is starting to match with that person, just like you would do if you're literally doing a dance. Yep. You know, gals start to menstruate together. It's like, it's like, it's, we're, we're always That's in this relationship. That's as well and hormones. You yeah. Know, that, that is olfactory. So that yeah, is oh, all the senses. Yeah. Yeah. We're all like auditorily, we're picking mm -hmm. up the, the tone of your language, the pacing of your language, like any access point, any vector of communication through our, our sensory experience, mm -hmm. we're tuning and dancing and shaping to that. I think that's such an interesting idea to think of like that that perfect fit idea 
and just the way that like literally when you're in some relationship with somebody being having the freedom and flexibility and and range of motion and communication to say like oh like this is making my physiology feel funny Mm -hmm. you know like yeah can we kind of change the fit a little bit and (laughs) perfect fit for me as well so you know ale very well my my friend ale and uh you've met iffy my acro partner now here Um, every acrobatic training partner I've ever had, they, they need a different type of stimulus. And out of everyone I've ever trained with, Ale is the one, she wants me to treat her like a little sister, like just kind of yell at her and just be rough with her verbally. And, and we play that game. So when people watch us train, they think like, you're such a dick. I'm like, no, she just likes, she likes that energy. We're like a couple of teenagers fighting when we train and we know it's a game. So a perfect fit is also definitely how well you are tuned to the things that you say to somebody else because your your communication can oftentimes be something that's comforting or very confronting and understanding your partner well emotionally and how these words are going to land on them is is another extension of perfect fit so back to the anatomical stuff so the a person if you're stacking say you're stacking four humans mm-hmm. you know, like a four high or a yep. three high or something you've got a lot of humans on you got the vernacular i like it yeah in that scenario uh-huh your feet are going to matter yes tremendously if you're doing a one high you know or you know a uh-huh. zero high or whatever you call it, just you standing in your body <laughs> that'd be a zero high your feet matter no it's a one high it's a one two high what would a zero high be <laughs> we're going back into the metaphysical <laughs> <laughs> it's a K-hole. That's yeah, a that's, that's different. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for a person that doesn't do acro yoga, that mm-hmm. doesn't do acrobatics, that doesn't even weight lift, they just have a body. Mm-hmm. What can they garner from a person that stacks two to three to four people on top of their shoulders on how to exist in their body more effectively? Yeah. Uh, so what happens when you stack more people on your body is your alignment and misalignment becomes more important so if you're the base and you have three people on top of you you are in that moment feeling so much force that uh the alignment becomes critical for your survival basically that's the franz bosch quote okay that's it there we go yeah if you're just existing you can do a lot of things yeah okay now exist with 200 pounds of your shoulders. okay now it's just 400 okay now it's just with 600 pounds of your shoulders what are your options yeah and to me so receptivity before strength is something that out of all the phrases i've ever you know discovered there are very few that are universal i find that one to be universal so being receptive before you're powerful so people that are not stacking humans on themselves increasing your ability to become more receptive more aware a better listener one of my biggest pet peeves is when i'm at the airport and i've got my rolling suitcase and i'm walking and literally people walk into me. I'm like, how can you be so unaware of the people around you and the space around you? Then I realize, okay, wait, I've been doing sensitive sensitivity training my whole life and this person might be in a rush and they might be really stressed out and they might not have those practices. But I would say receptivity uh, to your own body and listening. So there's lots of things that you can do to increase that. But I can guarantee that person at the bottom of that four high pyramid has done a lot of receptivity training. So it's not about finding your strength as much as learning how to align your bones in a way that your bones are your genetic answer for gravity bones are the way that we can interact with the forces on earth with the most amount of grace and harmony in yoga there's a phrase in the patanjali's yoga sutras second phrase uh, yoga is steady and comfortable 
and stuka is one of the words, and stuka has a, a cognate in common with the word bone. So literally, st stability and comfort in, in Hindi or in Sanskrit comes from the word bone. So hmm. if you want to find the riddle to ease in your body, understand your skeleton, understand how to align your bones, and that's going to be the easiest one sentence that I could give anybody that wants to understand how to be more comfortable in their body, learn how to listen to your skeleton. Hmm. What are some receptivity practices a person could engage with? Oh my God, so many. Uh, one of my favorites is balancing objects. Oh, so that's very hard to balance. Very, very hard to balance. Yeah, I don't think yeah. it's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I have a didgeridoo in the background. I got you, I got oh, you. There, you go. there we go. Yeah. Okay. That's going to be pretty easy to balance. Quite I would, easy. I would, I would hope. Yeah. Should I balance? Don't drop it because it's going to shed a lot. You have to be yes, very sir. delicate with yes, that. Yes, sir. I'm very so, delicate. So balance, so balance stuff. Yeah. Balancing things that trains your eyes and your fingers. And that's exactly what you need for all inversions. Handstands, forearm stands is understanding how to use your fingers and your eyes. So that's something that very quickly tunes the nervous system and the central processor. Mm. Yeah. Same, it's, I think it's just like that there's so much immense value in just being more playful. Yes. Like that's, that's like, you know, there's a, there was a, a, some research done in the, I think it's, I think it was the Albert Einstein college of something. It was Albert Einstein something college, but it was, it was all, it was all based around what um, activities are the best with staving off cognitive decline. Mm -hmm. And so they did all of the standard ones, crossword puzzles and like brain games and things like that. Then they had like cardiovascular training and weightlifting. And they found that that coordinated movement to music especially with another person, i.e. dance, is top of the charts. Wow. All the things that you can do, that process of, again, that's that coordination with another person. So there's this, you're getting so much sensory en enlivenment, if that's a word, yeah. from just being seen by another person. Like those are kind of, so it's like hard skills and soft skills. Yeah. You know, hard skills are like very quantifiable. Like there's a lot of like soft actions happening mm -hmm. and it's just mm -hmm. being seen by somebody it's like well, yeah okay like there's like there's there's something and human connection in that and then the coordination with the other person and the yeah. coordination with music yeah you know and then rhythm yeah I mean, it's like there's so many levels it just it it's it's very pre preventative for any type of neurological decline yeah and very it's like de-smudging mm. in a way and i think throughout the day if you look around there's so much stagnation in mm -hmm. people's approach to physical inhabitants if you want to use like strange language is yeah. the way that you exist in yourself yeah and something is simple when a person's like standing in line or whatever you can balance on one foot I, exactly you know explore that sensation you could yeah. you could maybe squat do a little squat <laughs> you know you, or you maybe like pick up a couple of rocks you're waiting for a plane you know or a bus or automobile you're in the middle of wherever you're at there's a few stones in the ground maybe try juggle like we have so much opportunity yeah. to start to just make the you know the body more interesting to exist in, Agreed. but you need to to stoke that. Like you need to to change the the, the vision of the individual. I think it's like yeah. a visual issue more than anything. I'm borrowing that from from um, logos logotherapy. That's the man search for meaning guy. Are you familiar with that book? Oh, dog man search. For you meaning. give me a list. Answer to me is a good one. Yeah, yeah. But Victor Frankel. Okay. He was a he was a fellow who was in in uh, concentration camps. Went to various different concentration wow. camps. And one of the things that he know he he could like tell when a person was going to die, essentially. And it was just like this like they're checking out like they've lost their mm -hmm. why. Mm -hmm. So people, everybody at this point has heard like you got to know your why. It's like a meme, you know. Like 
I think it probably came from somebody before him, but that was one of the, the most recent original origins of, of knowing your why. Yeah. And, you know, within that, his big thing, what he said in logotherapy was, you know, I'm not as much of a psycho a psychologist as much as I am a, an ophthalmologist. Mm-hmm. I'm just, cha- I'm just working on perception. I'm just yeah. working on the way that you see the room when you walk into it. Yeah. Yeah. Play. One of the cool things about it from other species is oftentimes we're, we're not the only ones that play and it's not just primates. There's lots of animals that play. And if you spend most of them, yeah, yeah, most of them. And what happens in that state is unscripted learning and new patterns. So there are some animals like orcas that have, you know, quote unquote culture where there's certain tribes of orcas that hunt in certain ways. And a lot of these breakthroughs in species comes from play where we're not doing the typical thing to procreate, to eat, or to kill. You know, we're doing things just for the pure joy of doing them. And when we have unscripted time, unscripted movements, there's a lot of discoveries and then all the other benefits. And if you ask a child what they're doing, if you ever ask a young child, what are you doing? Nothing. Because they're in that place of not trying to achieve, not trying to accomplish, but a very blank canvas of exploration. So, you know, I definitely covet that as something that is a very beautiful thing to witness in other animals and to know that that's something that feeds us and will continue to feed us. In this culture, unfortunately, it doesn't happen as common as you get older. There are other cultures, Latin culture specifically, where you'll see older people at the beach acting like kids more often. I mean, there are people all from all over the world that are very playful, but uh, I would say in general, it's not as accepted. And even the way that we teach our children, a lot of it is containing them. We don't want our children to disrupt other people. So it's stop doing that, put that down. And it's a lot of domestication at a young age. And the wild parts of us are to some degree, the parts that really nourish our physical bodies because we've had thousands and millions of years of evolution to be wired, to play, to be mischievous and to explore things in a, in a free way. Yeah, play is like, it's so wildly inefficient when you think about it. And mm-hmm. it's also the most efficient way to grow and adapt and, and learn and create relationships and understand boundaries. Mm-hmm. But on the face, it's so wildly inefficient. Yeah, and it's so it seems from just like a, a purely from like a survival perspective, it seems so unadaptable. Like you're putting yourself at risk mm-hmm. of being injured, mm-hmm. of being hunted, mm-hmm. of you know, like being too loud and making a ruckus. Now suddenly there's like a mountain lion on your back, you know, whatever this nerve, whatever kind of creature yeah. you are. It just doesn't make sense, except. Well. It does. Depends on your goal. And I would go back to what I said about, you know, why people are doing the thing. So one of the trust exercises that bonobos do is the big one grabs the little one by the wrist, swings them through the the branches. And like you said, there could be injury. But what happens on the other side of that, when the little one opens the hand up and they're both laughing and they both feel emotional upliftment and they build trust until trust is built trust is not something that you can write a note and pass it to them and be like okay we've done the trust exchange now you trust me it's a visceral thing it's a deep primal thing so these trust games often in the primate world are very much risky games that when you're done and on the other side you're like okay you're in my tribe i trust you now and you can ease into that so it might not be efficient in some ways but until you define your goal why am i playing right now you know, it might be to build trust or it might be just to let a lot of my work mind vanish for a moment. 
Well, it's, it seems inefficient on the face coming from like a Western pragmatic structured linear mind. True. But that's what's missing in that is when you are going through those, those playful activities, you're filling all these nooks and crannies of your own internal mapping system mm-hmm. that you just wouldn't get if you just treated yourself like a, like a mechanistic gear. Right. Like gears are just, they're these consistent, you know, non-variable systems. Just dun, 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 mm-hmm. dun, dun, it's pendulum, dun, dun. That's, yeah. Like your shoulder is not just a pendulum. Right. You know, and so if you treat yourself in that way, then you actually become incredibly dangerous. Yeah. That's the, that's the irony. Danger actually begets safety and safety begets danger. Talking very Taoist right now. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we we got to get into the the the, the data ching as well. Yeah, but that's that's the thing. Yeah, it's like if you if you place yourself into a nerf reality, then you are buffering yourself from the exposure to those adaptive experiences yeah. that allow you to be a proficient human being. Yes, and show up in a safe way in the future. And we don't do that in Western culture. We do. We go the inverse. We're very like face value people. Mm-hmm. Not speaking yeah. for everyone. You know, but I think that's a, a general thing. It's like, okay, is it safe? Keep it safe. Okay. Like, uh, you know, you don't want to get a lawsuit. Keep liabilities. Totally. Yeah. It's, and, but then you go to some, you know, whatever, you're like Chamonix or someplace. There's just like, there's no sign to tell you that if you walk off that cliff, you're going to fucking die. Yeah. Just, or the playgrounds. <laughs> Have you seen the playgrounds in Europe? Same thing. They are dangerous. And all the playgrounds in America, the, the risk has been taken out to a large degree because of litigation. So children in Europe get a lot more education by gravity at a younger age, and they can then assess risk better than a lot of children that didn't have that. Yeah, we kind of choke ourselves out with safety. Mm-hmm. It's like suffocation. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. What about the Dao Ching? How does that inform oh, your experience with, with physicality? So Tao Te Ching, I started reading in college, and I've been reading it pretty much ever since. And this this year, January 1st, I decided I was going to sit most mornings and read and also write different translations. So I have multiple different books. One is more English version. The other one is taking the 5,000 characters and defining the characters and not giving the narrative or not condensing. So uh, a lot of what I've learned in the Tao Te Ching is just the way that I see the world and the way that I see happiness, suffering, balance. Um, So, you know, relating it to physical, it definitely relates to physical, but I would say the biggest shift is just, I've been looking through the lens in a certain way before Taoism, before the Tao Te Ching, and now daily I'll see the world in a more unique and I think grounded, balanced way. Uh, I've let go of a lot of the comparison and the binary of good and bad, and also not trying to control or affect things as much as I had in the past. So just being able to be more of a witness to what is versus trying to make it a certain way. I think one of the quotes, you said you were going to use a quote out of my book and yours. I think probably, and it was a Tao Te Ching quote, I think probably the one upon reflecting back in this moment, Mm -hmm. I think it's probably one about being those that are like supple and fluid are disciples of life and those that are stiff and rigid are disciples of death. <laughs> could definitely be that one. I it think could it was, definitely I think it was be that one. one. Yes. Because when you showed That's me... legit. When you showed <laughs> me... It is so legit. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I, I know... I bet it was that one. I know what chapter that is. I have an idea what chapter that is. Yeah. Uh, there, he speaks about it in many ways, <laughs> but one of them was like, become supple like a newborn child. And, you know, a newborn child has no 
tension patterns. There's no repetitive stress injury except maybe suckling the breast. You know, mm -hmm. that's that's all the muscle that's been used so far. So well, it's actually re repetitive stress development through that suckling. You're you're changing the structure of the the tongue and the and the jaw, and you're mm. actually forming the the facial structure. There we so go. So you take that away from a person, it's actually is going to lend to you know crooked teeth and like a compressed jawline and a lack of development of the tongue, and and then that's the tongue is continuous with the throat and that you know it's, it keeps on it doesn't just stop like there. i said before all the brilliant things that you have in your head i love that you know that and you share that because those those things are really validating to the human experience and you could just think do it the natural way but you have definitive uh evidence of what the natural way means and what the benefits are so just yeah. shine it shine it on you again yeah yeah i mean the body i think the body is like so like not that complicated it's like okay like like naturally organically we're nature kind of provokes us to do certain things mm -hmm. you know it's like suckling on your mom's breast mm -hmm. you're like oh interesting it's not just a nutritional thing it's yeah. also a structural mental Mechanical. emotional mm -hmm. like there's so many different levels to it yeah and i think it's the same thing with like oh interesting nature inherently nudges us into spending time on the ground I mean, that's like that's just naturally you're probably going to squat you know yeah. and you're probably going to lunge you're probably going to kneel you're probably going to go through this range of motion it's like oh well that's really helpful with circulation yeah and even supportive for neurological development and you know all of the different you know like the dopamine dopaminergic systems in the brain like all of that's tied into it's not just a, a brain in a vacuum thing yeah when you move the body you move the brain you move the hormone you move everything and so if we just allow ourselves to like almost like be moved by a radical environment then suddenly health just starts to manifest there were no couches on the savannah there were no rocking chairs on the savannah <laughs> we were raised with climbing trees hiding in caves and sitting around a, a fire yeah like and i wonder when the origination of shame developed because that's an interesting mm -hmm. like like suit that we wear that has musculoskeletal contractile consequence I think it came from the Brits. I'm Fucking like, I'm, Brits. I'm gonna guess that. God dang it! <laughs> and and I'll tell you one of my funnier stories about British uh, American interactions. I was at a day spa, a men's day spa, and it was Men's Day, so I'm like, all right, cool. So I walk out, butt naked, and all these men are in shorts, and I'm just like, all right, y'all are staring at my cock for the next hour nice. because that's what we should be doing. Cock exposure <laughs> therapy is what I call that. That is. Yeah. And it just helped me <laughs> see and realize because as Americans, I think we're very shameful of our bodies and we have a very clear way of what is right and what is wrong. And, and the Germans, who are some of the more uptight emotional creatures that I've met, they have a very healthy uh, relationship with nudity. And it's very common that multi-generational people are naked in the sun. So yeah, I think that uh, we inherited some of those vestigial organs, if you will, from the Brits. And each culture has its gifts and its obstacles. And we do at this point in time get to pick and choose to some degree which ones we want to conform to. And, and we were talking before we hopped on this. So we're the ones at a party that will squat or sit on the floor or take off our shoes. And it's awkward. You know, I, I don't always like being that guy, but I don't I don't want to conform into a world where I have to wear shoes or sit on a couch to fit in. And I don't, I don't aim to fit in either. That's yeah. another thing. I think with the thing with that, I, I feel like at this point I could almost write like a handbook because I've gone through years of processing of that. And at one point, like wanting to be different, which I find that incredibly annoying. 
like I, like I really want to like stand out, you know, which it's like natural. It's like peacocking. It's like mm-hmm. also very like an evolutionary pattern. Totally mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. It's what people do with a watch and with a car and it's mm-hmm. just that, you know, but then there could be like, oh, like look at my, you know, my toe spread or, you know, yeah. my ankle dorsiflexion, you know, like I'm a healthy <laughs> biological organism. Damn it. See me. <laughs> but that part, I don't like that part so much. So, so the other part is just like doing things unapologetically that are to the highest good of your cells. Yes. Like if it's good for my cells, fuck off. Yeah. It's not, I'm not affecting your cells in a negative yeah. way other than you may be having some type of like ridiculing, like, oh, who's that guy squatting while they're waiting in line? Yeah. Is this guy, but I don't think actually really, I think very few people have that. What people have where my, my kind of interest in is people look at that person that is doing this basic human resting pattern yeah that any just human around the world that hasn't been totally just you know like indoctrinated by chair culture i guess yeah. maybe you could say yeah they just naturally would go into those positions in this culture if you look at somebody doing that it's like they're doing a thing that's that i think that's the ophthalmology mindset shift or perspective shift where you get to the point of like I'm not, that person's not doing a malasana. They're just being a human. Yeah. It resting in an effective way that also happens to be mobilizing their joints and circulating right. their fluids and like healing their, it's, they're tuning their body yeah. by just chilling. And legitimately in between flights. Yeah. Oftentimes I've been at airports back when I was a nomad, you know, living on the road and I would get off of one flight and I'd have two hours in the airport. If I didn't do some movement or some yoga, I would get off the next flight and be a wreck. So I've been that weirdo that's like, you all are sitting down, been sitting on other planes. You're about to go sit again for another who knows how many hours. And, you know, I was pretty unapologetic about going and finding a corner, which are hard to find in airports. Uh, you know, oftentimes there are lots of people around, but it was awkward. But the other side of that is if I didn't do that, I would not be honoring what my body needed. And I know what my body needs because I listen to it often. Like to take a moment to share something that I've been taking to make sure I'm covering all the bases with getting my greens. I've been taking Organifi's green juice for the last it's been about three months, and I really love this stuff. Uh, it tastes absolutely delicious. It's like one of the best beverages you could possibly serve on a hot summer day. Throw some ice on there. It contains not only greens but also adaptogenic mushrooms such as ashwagandha. It also has matcha green tea, so it's excellent for energy support, antioxidants and genuinely being a refreshing beverage. So if you would like to get yourself a 20% discount on this or any other Organifi product, you can jump over to Organifi.com slash align. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash align for 20% off. If you're not totally satisfied with your purchase, you can get your money back. I think you guys are going to love the green juice. I hope you enjoy. That's it. That's all. Organifi.com slash align. All right, I wanted to read a couple of things out of here. The a couple of the the quotes I had we had bookmarked before. Most of them are probably all all down to change stuff. <laughs> I think so. All right, so the one part that I wanted to touch on that, I'm, that I think we've already touched on, but was the seventy two thousand nadis or energy channels in the body. Total count. There are larger pathways called vayus, the wind channels. We talked about that before, and I just think that concept is very interesting. Just something to like grok and digest and and ponder on. Um, of thinking of the body of not just muscles and bones and ligaments and 
you know, this like this Newtonian kind of mechanics pulley system, mm-hmm. but also like getting into like the deeper nooks and crannies just become, that's like, um, I had Ben Patrick who's become a friend. He's, he's known as the knees over toes guy on the internet. Yes. And that's part of his whole thing. It's just like all of the, he's like, just like, whatever you think, do the opposite. Yeah. So like, cool. You squat a lot. Amazing. Do reverse squats. Yeah. You know, get weight on your feet and just do what a squat is but the complete opposite. Yeah. Cool. You walk forward a lot. Amazing. Walk backwards a lot. You know, oh, cool. You do, you never let your foot go in front of your toes. Cool. I want you to pretty much just do that for a while. And within that, you start to open up all these little juicy nooks and crannies that were starting to atrophy and wither yep. away and callous and decay and, the brain. and become smudged in the brain. Yeah. And then you just start to nudge into that space and you're like, ah, oh, like it's, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it opens up a certain thing. So I think that I, I like that concept of the, the 72,000 different energetic channels or you know nadis or points which not i think believe i believe means river i don't know what naughty means but i know vayu is wind and personally i have not been able to count up the seventy-two thousand wind uh nadis in my body this is what meditators would sit and count but i think when you feel tingling in your arms and in your hands that's the very obvious like oh those are all different energetic pathways so i think it's fascinating i'm not so into the woo woo yoga of I can't validate it in my own practice. I just like it as a, something to ponder on. Yeah. Just as like a visual concept of like, okay. Alex like, Gray. You know, Alex Gray is an mm-hmm. artist that knows how to draw the energy body. And one of the best things I ever heard about the energy body is this yoga teacher. She's like, never clap during a yoga class because clapping shocks the energy body. And I was thought, what does that mean? And the next day I was driving in my car and a rock hit my windshield. And anyone's ever felt that, close up. that, like your whole body pulls back a centimeter. It's like, oh. Yeah. And so that's shocking the energy body. The issue with that is it changes based off of your perception of what's happening. Yeah. So in that it's alarming. Ah! So if you're like laying and you're in, you know, whatever, Shavasana, whatever, and somebody goes, way different than you're amazing. Yeah. I think. Same different application to the same thing that that sound can affect your neurological homeostasis Mm -hmm. and and but some people if they grow up in a situation say they grew up in new york city and mm -hmm. they grow accustomed to traffic and honking and sirens and people yelling fuck you all that they're like well think about all the new yorkers that you know that have lived there for 20 to 30 to 40 years and how they present themselves energetically Mm -hmm. they're intense people yeah yeah, not the most sensitive on average but a lot of times they like it a lot of times they veer to us like no like if it's too much just the woods like the crackling the fire like it feels good it feels soothing for a bit but i really want to i've kind of my baseline is set to that you know commotion kind totally of uh so one of the quotes in there that or, or not quote but one of the ideas in there that i thought was interesting to share is so when we experience these these pranic blockages uh which prana how do you find prana energy mm. life force okay mm-hmm. cool so prana pranayama or pranayam the control of life force and it's typically classified in like breathing practices exclusively mm-hmm. yep so the life force is dictated by the breath and mm. yama is control. There's the yamas and the niyamas, the controls and the observances. And these are like the 10 commandments of yoga. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So when there's these energetic blockages, one of the analogies in here that you used I th- that I think is super interesting is like a like a uh, blowing wind, like the, these values down a bam, a, a shoot of bamboo, which they're hollow mm-hmm. inside. 
So if there was some gunk inside there that's blocking the wind from being yeah. to pass, so you could think of that in your body, it could be your cardiovascular system, mm-hmm. you could say a blood clot, mm-hmm. you could say some kind of neuromuscular thing or, or, or neurological thing or nerve thing. There's some impingement someplace yeah. along the way. So that's the bamboo from yeah. like a physical perspective. And the dirt is the gunk that's the keeping the dirt is whatever the impingement flowing. is, mm-hmm. whatever's causing the, the blockage. And so within that, you say you use the, the which I don't think this is your... You got this from someplace else, the big stick, little stick. Geshe Michael Roach, uh, How Yoga Works is where I got this concept. So I like this idea, though, for people to stew on. So there's the big stick and the little stick. Big stick would be, can you just describe this? Yeah, so if you've got this bamboo and you want wind to flow through it and there's a piece of dirt in there, you can take another big stick and just bang from the outside onto this bamboo cylinder. And then if you bang it hard enough, that dirt from the inside will eventually fall out. So banging with a big stick are very obvious practices. Weightlifting, yoga, massage, things that are pushing on the body. Or you can get a very small stick and go right into the hole of the bamboo that's got the blockage and just poke at the dirt until the dirt falls out. And those are the subtle body practices, Mm. prayer, meditation, singing, maybe even light dance when you feel that vibe. Gratitude. Gratitude, journaling. The way you breathe. The way you breathe. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. It's it's, a cool idea. And And it doesn't invalidate or belittle either not at all love the big stick yeah love the little stick yeah that's the issue in like internet dogmas mm-hmm. you know and like the different whatever it's whatever the modalities are it's like we're the best yeah it's like no no like you have a stick love your stick great yeah. stick yeah love the shape love the contour you know let's use a little bit of that stick use a little bit of that stick and let's a lot of times of the bamboo a lot of times people choose one or the other you're either a meditator and you do very subtle body practices and you pray a lot or you go to crossfit a lot but if you can get a crossfit person that has devotional practices and if you can get these devotional yogis to do a couple of pull-ups that's where we're starting to meet uh, the potential of the two extremes because we always are going to be in a spectrum and a lot of us are very tightly held in the spectrum and the more that you can expand in either the subtle or the obvious it just helps us live in a more big playground yeah all right other stuff we had bookmarked or i bookmarked before i think would be interesting more lao tzu stuff Tao Te ching chapter 77 it's all about balance i'm just gonna read the last sentence i think the last sentence is great but if people were interested and they can check out the Tao Te ching chapter 77 but the last sentence is as it acts in the world the Tao is like the bending of a bow the top is bent downward, the bottom is bent up. It adjusts excess and deficiencies so that there is perfect balance. It takes from what is too much and gives to what isn't enough. Those who try to control, who use force to protect their power, go against the direction of the Tao. They take from those who don't have enough and give to those who have far too much. The master can keep giving because there is no need to her wealth. She acts without expectation. This is the part that I wanted to read. Succeeds without taking credit and doesn't think she is better than anyone else. I think that's an interesting, like the, just like the, like divorcing yourself of acting with expectation and you know needing to take credit for succeeding. That's like not easy. That's some, yeah. like some Jedi shit. I'm not there. Yeah. I like want validation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I love about that is in a few sentences, now I close my eyes while you're reading it, got to do my little meditation. The idea of a bow bending as you pull it back 
now I have a visual of what balance can be, you know, bending of a bow. So what I love about these ancient scriptures is there's so many different things to sink their teeth into. And the one that you sank your teeth into is what I would say the moral of the story is, you know, the practice of being a bow is being able to know what is in excess and what is deficient. And by one action, you're balancing those things. Then when you're in a balanced place, you don't need the validation. So when you're aligned with who you are and you're aligned with uh, the surroundings around you, you don't give a fuck who cares what you've done in your life. So these are theoretical, conceptual places. And just like the ringing of that bell, enlightenment is not a stationary place. It's something you dip your toe in. You're like, oh, that's what enlightenment feels like. So, you know, after reading that, maybe the next time you're in an instance where you're at a party and somebody's, you know, asking you a lot of questions about you, you're not going to be in that place of, I need to fill this chasm of, of self-worth. So I'm going to tell you these things to help you feel more validated. These are all practices. And without these concepts, I think it's very difficult to be able to be a full spectrum being because somebody could be a Cirque du Soleil acrobat who's very physically balanced. You know, they are the bow, but then when they get done with the show, they're emotionally very imbalanced and they need a lot of the things they talked about at the end. And I think where it, for me, it comes up where I, um, I want to take credit. Like if I do something nice for somebody that's like a friend, <laughs> I want them to know. Yeah. Same. You know? And I don't think that's a bad thing, but I'm like, if someone else got credit, yeah, I'd be like that motherfucker. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm the one that moved that box. Yeah, <laughs> and that's where I'm like, I have like little Aaron, you know, coming out where it's like, if I, I think I could get to another level where it's like, oh, I'm just gonna do good. It's you know, what is credit? There is no. I'm just gonna do good. I don't. Need, I don't know that I need to be. Maybe that's not even healthy. Maybe that's actually there's like maybe you need to like bolster your ego a little bit more and you know. And that's exactly that you did a thing. That's exactly what I feel when you say, "Is that a bad thing that I want to be recognized?" And I don't. I, this book has helped me getting out of good and bad. It's like, mm. what, what purpose does it serve for you to get the acknowledgement and understand that deeply? And then possibly, when you understand it deeply, it doesn't need to pull you as much. And it can be like, I want to do these things because it fills me. But if I have a tally sheet of all the nice things I've done for all my friends, that's a burden I'm carrying. It's not a burden that they have. And it's not their job to remember all the things that every friend has ever done for them and pay them back. That's a very heavy way to live. If everyone is doing their best to align with their nature, to be in perfect fit and to be in perfect fit with the people around them, then the tally sheet doesn't hold as much power because we're all doing a good thing by aligning with our natures. Mm. That's the kind of fluffy shit I get from Taoism. No, I love the, I love the fluffy Taoist stuff. You said another very Taoist thing earlier, actually. It was the when a kid is, you know, when they say, like, what are you doing? Like, oh, nothing. But they're actually, like, doing everything. Yeah. That's some Taoist shit. <laughs> All right, last thing. Last Taoist shit I'm going to read. <laughs> water is fluid, soft, and yielding. But water will wear away rock, which is rigid and cannot yield. As a rule, whatever is fluid, soft, and yielding will overcome whatever is rigid and hard. This is another paradox. What is soft is strong. Motherfucking Lao Tzu. <laughs> you say you wrote all this all this stuff in like one night in prison or something? So they say. The story goes, nice. and, and with Patanjali, who wrote the Yoga Sutras, or Lao Tzu, when you write things that are thousands of years old, there's no historical record of knowing if it was one person or a collective of people. But the story I was told is that Lao Tzu was traveling in China and he already had a reputation for being a very wise person. And they they captured him and they put him in a cell and they said, you need to write down everything you know. 
and then we'll let you out. And in one night, he wrote the Tao Te Ching, and they let him out. <laughs> I love that story. Who really existed in the past? <laughs> Who, like, there was Abe Lincoln? Some, there was some wisdom. <laughs> there has been some wisdom on the Plato? Planet. Yeah. Aristotle? Well, and they all had their their struggles. Like, uh, who was it? Was it Socrates? It wasn't Socrates. It was Plato. Aristotle. I think it was Aristotle. I go to uh, this island, Evia, in Greece every year and teach acro yoga stuff. And there's a bridge that Aristotle committed suicide on. And it's because on that bridge, the way that the tides flow in and out, it is not explainable by the science that he knew at the time. And he jumped off that bridge and committed suicide. So hold know. on, hold on. What? I have not fact-checked myself. This could be something that somebody told me at a bar in Evia, but I, I have been told, and I will fact-check myself, so I'm yeah. not making an idiot of myself in the yeah. future. But for those of you that are seeing this now, yeah. I might be making an idiot of myself. Yeah. But I heard that he committed suicide because he could not explain the way that the tide was flowing uh, at this specific place in Greece. Damn. So brilliant it's an expensive people. science experiment. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Yes. Look at Aristotle, what a boss. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Until he sank. <laughs> and Van Gogh cutting his ears off. Yeah. Yeah. People are crazy. Yeah. Well, what is what is the opposite of crazy? I guess it's relative to the environment that you're in, the culture that you exist in. Yeah. I mean, crazy is another way to dis describe extreme. And all these people were extreme. So extremely imbalanced, extremely creative, extremely tapped in, extremely, uh, yeah. It's full of suffering and joy. Like they didn't, they didn't go passively. Like they went into the life full speed ahead. I'm, I'm gonna do some things. Mm. I appreciate you very much, Jason Neymar. Oh. <laughs> um. Well, so thank you for writing your book, Connect yeah. and Play, uh, yeah. or Connect Move Play. That one too. Uh, so if people are interested in tapping into the realm of acro yoga, which I highly recommend. Um, you have a lot of amazing partner exercises and things of the sort in there some are like on the edge of like oh like you you're probably like load mid-level advanced ish person to do some of this stuff so i, I think that I, I appreciate that there's actually movements in there it's like oh like i'm gonna try this and it's not just like the absolute baseline basic 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 yeah you know? I, I wanted it to be inviting for all people. Uh, the mission statement of Acro Yoga is to support all people through movement, connection, and play. So I gave very beginner entry roads, but... You also provided some fun stuff. Yeah, for sure. Which is cool. For I appreciate sure. that. So we finish up the conversations with a question that will go into the Align community, which is absolutely free. People can oh, find cool. that at alignpodcast.com slash community and all of these questions and lots of other amazing bonus stuff and people conversating with with each other and they can ask me questions all thing that's all there alignpodcast.com slash community and uh for that question dun, dun, dun. i'm curious from you what are some of your best go-to therapeutic practices for bringing yourself back to balance over the mm. years you're a 47 year old child <laughs> it's really impressive and unbelievable the things that you can do and all the way dating back to when you when you actually were a child you were elite high level acrobats all the things we'll talk about in the introduction and you're still in, in that place like yeah. you're like you you could have the excuse that you're an old man right now it's yeah. pretty awesome thank you how do people 
ascertain that? Like, what are some of you, like your best practices for you to be in that place as a 47 year old person and still be a high level acrobat, playful, like human being? Hope you guys have dug this conversation. If you would like to hear this response to this question, you can jump over to alignpodcast.com slash community. It is absolutely free to join as a place where we can communicate with each other and also share content that we are not sharing anywhere else. So jump over to alignpodcast.com slash community to learn more. Thank you so much for your life. Thank you for hearing this book, Move, Connect, Play. I highly recommend people grabbing it. You get it anywhere, but anywhere books are sold. Yep, presumably. anywhere right. books are sold. Cool, great. And any closing sentiments or words, or do you feel like we... we? Yeah, my closing sentiment would be, my goal is to have a billion acroyogis in my lifetime, and it's a very high goal. And one of my other life goals was to go to the Olympics, and that took me about 10 years to achieve that, and that's in the book. And then another goal was I want to have acroyogis on every continent, and I got that goal in about five years. And so I've been able to set really high goals and to be really dedicated to them. And somebody asked me recently, like, why would you want a billion acroyogis? How would that affect you and the world? And my very clear answer is, if there's somebody in China, in India, in Russia that knows how to do acroyoga, has been trained in their language, and they get with any other acroyogi on earth that knows how to do acroyoga, language ceases to be an obstacle of connection. And when people from different cultures can connect on an essence level and share love and trust and giggles and falling and building skills together, I have a very high aspiration of seeing that actually manifest in my lifetime. Mm. How many people do you think have been exposed to acroyoga? It's in the millions. I think hashtag acroyoga on Instagram is like at 3 million right now. Wow. But uh, cool. it's, there are 60 countries where there are certified teachers. There's 2,000 certified teachers that I've certified. Then there's a bunch of other lineages that have popped up throughout the years. So there's probably a solid three to 5,000 certified teachers. That's great. Yeah, 20 years. Not bad. So cool. I'm an ambitious lad. For as chill as I am, I, I, can, I can put the nose to the grindstone. I can get it done. That's very cool. All right. Thank you very much, Jason. Yeah. Thank you all for tuning in. That is it. That is all. Over and out. Hope you guys devoured that conversation. Once again, thank you, EG Wellness, for leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Just takes a second to scroll down, press subscribe while you're at it, so you get each week's episodes. And then if you are so inclined, you find the spaciousness within your heart to leave us a review. It is very supportive, and I read all of them. I think that's it. Feel free to tag myself at Align Podcast or tag Jason at Jason Nemer on the Instagram with parts of this that you like. I love resharing those guys. I hope this has been supportive to you and I hope you have a tremendous week.